Welcome to the Indie Stars Pacing the Pacers podcast. Uh, this is Nat Newell, Pacers editor for Indie Star, and I'm with, of course, uh, James Boyd, our Pacers insider. Uh, James, you were at All-Star Weekend with uh, Tyrese Halliburton. Uh, Chris Duarte was supposed to be there, got hurt, didn't participate. Um, but you got the chance to talk to some All-Stars about the newest Pacer um, in Halliburton and just what, we, what were their impressions, what were your impressions? Yeah, they were. Um, they thought very highly of him, which is what I expected. Um, I know I got some uh, <laughs> some Kings fans who were kind of upset, like, "Why is this guy going around asking about Halliburton? Why aren't you asking about Sabonis?" And I'm like, "Hey, I don't cover Sabonis anymore. I'm sorry." Um, <laughs> but I think the biggest thing was just that a lot of them were saying like this could be his opportunity to take a big step. Um, I believe that's like verbatim what you know Fred Van Vliet um, um, said. He's a first time All Star. Um, Draymond had a lot to say. He was probably the most talkative and he was, I want to say his media availability is probably one of the longest, which isn't a surprise. So I was able to get a few questions in on him and he was saying like most players, you know, I was shocked by the trade. Um, you know, he, but he believes since Halliburton was traded so soon in his career, he kind of gets to restart and lay a new foundation pretty early on with the Pacers and having a chance to build with them. Um, Monty Williams had a unique thing that I, I didn't, really catching the moment and I should have probably followed up on. So as we all know, the Suns drafted Jalen Smith 10th overall, right? And uh, in 2020 and, and Halliburton went 12th. And he said to me something when I asked him about Halliburton, he said something like, you know, uh, we tried to get him, but we couldn't or something. And it, I let it kind of slip through the cracks. I won't lie. I, I was, you know, I didn't really think too much of it because I didn't think about, oh, he was, you know, Monty was on, has not been the coach in Phoenix very long, but he was the coach, um, you know, when they had that draft pick. And I almost wanted to, I should have followed up and asked him, like, why didn't you draft him? Because I've read all this rumors about how he didn't want to go there. And he, you know, he he never said he did, wouldn't want to go somewhere. But it was just weird to me that he said that, knowing that you could have just drafted him 10th overall and, and paired him with Chris Paul. and Or you didn't have Chris Paul at that time, but he could have been your point guard of the future. So it was really weird. Um, that he said that, but nevertheless, he did say that the Pacers um, probably have a point guard for the next 10 to 12 years. So um, that's the consensus around the league that he is a budding star, like we all pretty much know. But it was cool to kind of hear the perspective of other guys. Um, we had a chance to talk to Zach Levine, who was traded early in his career from Minnesota to Chicago, became an all star. And he was saying, you know, a fresh scene will probably, uh, one, motivate you, but also give you a chance to to really, you know, blossom. Um. It's uh, yeah. I mean, Halliburton did fall in the draft, if I remember right, that year. And you know, again, we talked. I think we might have touched on this uh, our, in our last podcast. But he falls in the lap. The Kings, a, a franchise that is uh, not uh, known for having a lot of good luck, uh, if we're, we're being kind. Um, and then they get a little good luck with him, and they trade him. So uh, that's pretty much the Sacramento Kings uh, in a nutshell. There. Um, what were your impressions? What have I mean? We've seen Halliburton play with the team for several games now. What have your impressions been of him? Is he? I mean, is what what you've seen backed up by what the the players were saying? Yeah, he's legit, man. I mean, he's averaging, I believe, twenty and eleven through his first four games, shooting forty eight percent from the field, over forty percent from three, over eighty percent at the free throw line. Um, so it seems like with more minutes, with being that number one guard. His production is going to be there. Um, I know he had like an off night one night. So I had, I think, 17 points and eight assists. And if that's your off night, that's a pretty good off night. So um, I have no concerns about him being um, their star to come. 
it's just the questions now become, you know, what did the team look like around him, um, which is the question. I mean, you got 22 games left in the regular season. Miles Turner and Malcolm Brogdon haven't played in what seems like forever. I would say the more concerning injury is probably to Brogdon just because this whole right Achilles sore thing is weird. Um, but now that becomes the biggest, I think, uh, uh, point of the season. You know, can you get these guys healthy and can you see what your team looks like? Because if those two guys are healthy, you pair them with Halliburton, you probably do have a playoff team, a playoff caliber team. But also, you know, they've been a playoff team, you know, the last few years. They just haven't won anything in the playoffs. So now it becomes, do you keep those guys and, and build more around them? Or do you move those guys and try to get, you know, even better players or better assets? Um, a lot to get, you know, kind of uncovered over these next few weeks of the season. Yeah, I mean, we've talked about the Brogdon thing just being odd. I don't know. It doesn't seem like they're hiding anything because he's been out there and he's been listed as questionable and all that stuff. But uh, with the break, you would hope that if he's still not playing, uh, I think that raises some some even more questions that the Pacers won't answer. Uh, Turner's a slightly different situation, I guess, because they've been, I mean, he hasn't been back on the court or, you know, he, he's still, they've been pretty clear that he's out. Um now, if they, it's an, they're also in an interesting spot because if they, you, I think you do want to see these guys play together, like you mentioned, but you're probably a better team, um, and that might hurt your lottery uh, rankings. What are your feelings on that? Do you do you still sort of subtly try to lose games, or do you just let them play and let the chips fall where they may? Yeah, so I think you let them play because they weren't that great when they were playing together. <laughs> Anyways, in, in the, I mean, I don't know how much you know the, the season's going to change. With 22 games left in your positioning, obviously it can change quite a bit. But I don't, I don't envision you know the Pacers going on like some seven, eight game winning streak and really like you know changing their their draft odds. And um, as Pacers president Kevin Pritchard said a few weeks ago, you know he was like, we have the draft capital now by trading away some of their players and assets to possibly get up into the draft where they want to go. You know if they aren't um, you know on their own like a top ten, top five pick. They have enough draft capital, first round picks, second round picks, things like that, um, to move and, and possibly get up in the draft. So the bigger thing, if I were the front office, if I were the running the team, would be to see these guys healthy. And again, you know, you don't have to, again, hope that they're going to lose. They're, they weren't that great when they were playing together. And I do think it's going to take some time to even get out some kinks with a guy like Halliburton, who is pretty easy to plug in. Um, but to me, the health matters more because. That either will help you, you know, make some moves in the offseason or handicap you to the point where you might be stuck with a guy like Brogdon or a guy like Miles if they're not healthy and teams aren't willing to take that risk. Or if they are, they'll lowball you and you don't get the return value that you probably should. That's that's a good point on the the draft capital. I am a a pro-tank guy. If the rules are set up to make it better to be worse uh, and that's what's going to lead to a team being better down the line. That's what I would do. I'm not necessarily saying um, I'm losing on purpose or telling people to lose or, you know, paying somebody to lose games like uh, the controversy in the NFL. But, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it certainly makes sense to me to, you know, it, it, you're better off picking back having better odds higher in the draft. And if that's the way the rules are set up, that's where I'm going to, that's what I'm going to do. But I think you make a good point. I mean, if they're right now, I believe they're fifth. Um, I think they're uh, a, within a game of Oklahoma City for fourth. And then I believe Sacramento was two and a half games behind them. So they're in pretty good shape in terms of, you know, 
two and a half games is a decent cushion. Um, and the teams behind them are trying to win. <laughs> so uh, exactly. there's no doubt that they're trying to win. So you would think they're in pretty good shape at number five. But if you do want, you know, Jaden Ivey, could you, and you get up with the fifth pick and he's going to go higher, could you trade the 20 mid, you know, 24th pick or whatever it ends up being and the 33rd pick or whatever it ends up being with your pick to move up two spots and get them? And I, I would think that that would be a, um, that was something that certainly the, the Pacers have to pursue, uh, you know, when the time comes. Exactly, um, exactly. And then I think on the, just real quick, on the flip side, I want to see what the Kings do. You know what I mean? Like they've been playing okay since the trade and they've won a few games and, and obviously, uh, Darren Fox is way better, and Sabonis has been Sabonis. But you know, you made this this uh, trade to make the play-in tournament and make the playoffs possibly this year. So if you miss out on the play-in tournament, I think people around the league are really be looking at you like, man, did you just you know get rid of your future for a win-now scenario where you're still not winning now? So that'll be interesting to see. Well, that's pretty much how everyone looks at the Kings before the trade. After the trade. <laughs> Whatever. This is true. I, this is true. I will say the one thing I thought was a little bit under uh, appreciated is that, I mean, Sabonis is what, 25? I mean, it's not like, I mean, he's a young guy too. He's not as young as Halliburton, but, you know, he's got three, four years in his prime easily left. Uh, I don't know oh, that he's going to sure. get better, but I, I, you know, so from that standpoint, I think the Kings took a little bit. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have made the trade if I was the Kings. I would rather have Halliburton. Um, but uh, I, I think Sabonis is getting, uh, you know, the the value of Sabonis is getting uh, under isn't fully appreciated. I don't think, um, you know, in terms of that trade. Um, the one thing people have talked about is when Brogdon comes back, he had been the point guard. Clearly, Halliburton is going to be the point guard going forward. Do you think that'll be an issue? I mean, I think style-wise, Brogdon can certainly play off the ball. I think Halliburton can also play off the ball. You could just go to, you know, sort of a more old-fashioned guard-guard as opposed to a point guard. But what are your thoughts on how they would mesh together? I think Brogdon has to go off ball. Um, Tyrese Halliburton is just better already at the point guard position. Um, He's better off the dribble. I think he's able to create his own shot a little bit better as well. Um, we got a little more burst. And I, and I think that Malcolm's skill set is still really good. Like, he's a pretty good three-point shooter. Um, not like a great, great three-point shooter, but he's not, you know, bad. And he's had a 50, 40, 90 year in the NBA, which aren't, you know, uh, very easy to come by. And then the thing for me is just the willingness to accept that role. Like, is he willing to play off ball? Is he willing to be um, more of a shooting guard type of, type of guy? And also, how does those two fit in with Duarte? Because there's only one ball, right? You want to make sure... Your, your guys are getting shots, and Duarte is a guy you want to see get shots. You want to see develop even more. I know he was out for, you know, the Rising Stars game, which, by the way, was some pretty terrible basketball. Um, <laughs> just because, you know, I got there in that. I'm like, I drove all the way here. Um, and you're just waiting for the media availability at that point because win or lose, um, none of that stuff really matters. I think Halliburton winning the little shooting contest with Desmond Bang was a cool little Indiana-like type of story. But getting back to the point, I do think that you want to make sure that even if you have both of those guys in the backcourt, which I, I believe you should, as that third wing player, you really want to make sure Duarte gets his development going. And if there's any issues with that between Halliburton, Brogdon, and Duarte, then obviously the, the one that, in my opinion, has to go is Brogdon because, you know, he's not a young player that you're not going to build around, I would say, for the future. Um, he's good enough to keep around, but not, you know, if he's not willing to accept that role. Yeah, and that'll be interesting to watch. Um, I mean, he he came in 
and said, I'm going to be a leader. And he came and he said, I'm going to be a leader at the beginning of every year. I, I, you know, obviously we're not, I mean, even you don't get to go in the locker room at this point. It's, it's, you know, we don't know what's going on within the teams. It does with inside the team. It doesn't seem like he's been a real vocal guy. Um, he's, his name's also been tied to being unhappy with the last two coaches. Um, so I think there is a little bit of something on him to prove that he can get along here. His, versatility i mean he can do you know you know he's he can do everything on the court basically so skills wise it shouldn't be a problem fitting in it's just a matter of you know does he have to average 15 points and five assists and five rebounds instead of you know 19 7 and 7 and he ought to be he ought to be able to get along on that, but if he can't, that's a problem. Um, it also becomes a problem trading him with his injury history, with his contract. It's not onerous if he's healthy, but it is. Uh, um, but it's there, so it'll be. Uh, uh, and I agree. Yeah, I mean, you got to have. Uh, I mean, Duarte and Halliburton are the future at this point. There's no reason uh, uh, Brogdon couldn't be part of that future, um, but he, I, he's third in that order. I think, uh, as you mentioned. Um, For sure. Uh, the, since since the deals, they the Pacers have hardly played any defense. Um, I think they did manage to hold the woeful um, Washington Wizards below yeah. 120 points um, by some kind of miracle. Um, is that a long-term problem? Is that, heck, I mean, it's an easy way to lose games is to not worry too much about defense. That's certainly not Rick Carlisle's um, you know, that's not what Rick Carlisle is not known for that at all, certainly. But um, do you see defense being a problem long term or what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, so I do think that they, they should invest in some wing players that can play some defense. I mean, they, they shipped away Torrey Craig um, to the Suns, obviously with Jalen Smith, who's played, you know, surprisingly well. And, you know, at this rate, will not be back for the Pacers next year. <laughs> um, but. I think that this one kind of speaks to um, the importance of Miles Turner. He won't solve all their defensive issues, but a lot of these teams, you know, they get to the basket on the paces and there's no rim resistance at all. There's no one to deter them from going to the basket. So if you look at the points in the paint, a lot of the times these teams are getting 50 or 60 points in the paint because there's just no one there tall enough or lanky enough um, to alter or block a shot. So um, that's one thing I wouldn't say I'm too concerned just because, Miles should be coming back, and he should help, you know, bolster some of that back line of the defense. Um, but at the same time, I look at some of their perimeter defenders. Malcolm Brogdon is actually a pretty good perimeter defender. He should help with that if he's able to come back and be healthy. But beyond them, I don't really see, like, too many defensive stoppers and all shape or sets. A pretty good, you know, wing defender. But, I mean, Buddy Heald, no. You know, Lance Stevenson, not really. Like, these guys are not known for being – great defender. So I do think it would, you know, help the franchise and to look out in the offseason and see, hey, what kind of young wing player can we get, you know, to 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 bring in who can shoot threes and play defense, which is the model of the league. You look around the league with a lot of these top teams, um, you know, you obviously have your star players, the guys that you can't really replicate, but then the makeup of the rest of the team is pretty much the same. Like, do we have long, lanky guys who can shoot threes? Um, and that's that's kind of like the MO of the NBA. So the Pacers should probably go looking for a few of those players um, and, again, look for them at a, at a younger and maybe even discounted rate to, to help you, you know, with this rebuild. I know Halliburton um, kind of referenced this as like a soft rebuild. He expects to be in the playoffs next year. And if that's the case and if you not only put to be in the playoffs, you put to actually win some games and win a round or advance and have a chance to advance, you need to have – 
some pretty good wing defenders to keep guys from just having just field days, it seems like, on offense. I mean, I know that they got their first win of the Halliburton era over the Wizards, but keep in mind they did not have Bradley Beal. Kristaps um, Porzingis was traded there recently. He's, he didn't play. He warmed up, but he didn't play. Um, and that's a bad team. That's an awful team, actually. So it was really two bad teams playing against each other, and one of them has to win kind of thing. So I wouldn't put too much stock into that game just because if, for for instance, you know, the Wizards have one more player that can play, make, or score on that night, then they're probably going to win that game. Um, same can be said with the Pacers because obviously they have had injuries. But, again, that, that wasn't a win that would really, uh, you know, say that things are changing or there's, there's this big momentum shift. Like, no, you still can't play defense. You just happen to play one of the worst teams in the NBA. Well, and also you bring up an interesting point in terms of the draft that, you know, everybody's looking at Jaden Ivey, understandably so, but they, uh, but the, the top three players, I think, are all big men, um, you yeah. know, you know, the current rangy shooting, whatever big men. But uh, uh, so in some ways you wonder if the Pacers wouldn't be better off, uh, you know, if one of those guys ends up falling to them instead of Ivey. So it'll be an interesting uh, case. It's hard to pass on Jaden Ivey, but then you almost certainly need to move Brogdon if you draft him. Um, so that'll be an interesting uh, thing to watch once uh, the season's over and we're in the, uh, you know, onto the draft round. Uh, you mentioned Jalen Smith. We can touch on him real quick. Um the Suns rejected his third-year qualifying offer. This has happened six times, I think. Um, it's very, very rare. It's basically you drafted a guy, you took a look at him for one year, and you said he can't play. We don't want him anymore. I mean, it's basically these guys are free, and they're saying we still don't want him. The Suns did it, I believe, because they wanted to free up money to sign uh, Aiton long-term, which hasn't happened. Um, but because they didn't, uh, they, because they, uh, didn't pick up his option, the team that owns his contract, which is now the Pacers can only pay him the value of that option, which was, I think, $4.7 million. Right. Um, so this becomes a very weird trade in that I'm sure, um, you know, there's no issues trading Craig. He's not going to be a part of a, a successful Pacers team. And he's a nice addition for, as a bench player for, for the Suns, being he played with them last year. So they certainly knew what they were getting. And I could certainly see the Pacers thinking, we got a second round pick out of that. And that's the main get. And it's just a swap of salaries in terms of picking up Jalen Smith. But Smith looked pretty good. Yeah. The better looks, the less chance they have of signing it. So uh, what have your impressions been of him so far? It's been really good. So I, I made sure to ask Monty Williams about it. Um, it wasn't really my intention when I went over there. I was going to ask about Halliburton. I was like, oh, wait, like you just traded away a guy to the Pacers. Let me ask about him, too. And he was saying, like, you know, he's been watching the Pacers games. Um, he joked about, you know, waiting to see if Jalen Smith's going to run back on defense. And he said he worked <laughs> extremely hard. He just couldn't crack the rotation. Um, he also mentioned that stretch there where he did get a lot of minutes because of injuries, I believe, where he, um, you know, I think he averaged like 15 and 10 for like a stretch there with them but for whatever reason was never able to really you know like he said get into a groove and get into a, being the player that they rely on consistently so um here's his numbers through his first four games with the pacers he's averaging 12 points and six rebounds in 21 minutes per game shooting nearly 60 percent from the field and 46 percent from three so i mean obviously i expect the three-point percentage to go down he's a career 26 percent three-point shooter but he's pretty confident shooting it, which I, I'm sure they may have surprised you, Nat. Lisa, it, it surprised me because he shoots it with no hesitation at all. Um, and I asked him well, about that. And he was saying, like, Chris Paul and Jay, uh, Jay Crowder were guys that were telling him, you can't look at percentages. You have to just take good shots. And 
so far he's outplaying, you know, the 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 contract that he's on, the contract situation that he's in. And again, being 21 years old, um, 6'10", if you can knock down threes and um, shoot 60% from the field, there will be some shoot some suitors out there who will who will gladly scoop you up for more than 4.7 million and still probably get you at a discount. Yeah, I mean, I, even if his three point shooting is between those two uh, numbers, his career number and his current number, that's pretty good for a six yeah. ten guy. I mean, like if he wasn't playing great, but he enjoyed his experience with the Pacers, then I could see him coming back on a one year, you know, four point seven million dollar deal. But yeah, he's a six ten, he's twenty years old or whatever, and he's shown some flashes. I, someone's going to give him one year, eight million, or two years, twelve million, and you're nuts if you turn that down. I mean, you can't. Yeah, you know, you got people saying like, "Oh, you know, I hope he's loyal." Man, skip all that. Teams are not loyal. They'll they'll trade you. You see, he got traded and <laughs> get his third year of his his rookie contract picked up. So all that loyalty talk. I mean, I feel like you're loyal when you're like under contract and you're probably obligated to do some things. Then, um, you know, sans Ben Simmons, but. You know, I, I don't think that he owes anybody anything as far as, you know, hey, Indy traded for you. So you should stay with them. Like, no, like Indy traded for you. But it wasn't like they really, you know, uh, are going all in on you or something like that. It's just a good move for the franchise at this point in time. So um, if he all plays that contract, he has every right to, to go somewhere else. And we'll see. I mean, how how funny would it be if the Pacers, I mean, not the Pacers, the Suns go right back and say, hey, man, um, you, you worked out in Indy, so uh, come play for us again. And so we'll see. I doubt it happens, but that's just the uniqueness of the situation where the Suns drafted the guy, they get rid of him, but they could honestly offer him more money this offseason than the, than the than the Pacers who picked him up. That is insane the way it works out. But I, and if I was Jalen Smith, I, there's no way I'm going back to the Suns. <laughs> no, nah, I don't think so, man. I think he <laughs> likes playing. You know, he's getting way more minutes here with the Pacers, and he did. Um, he did say this. Tony East from Forbes asked this at the last press conference, I believe, before the break. Um, he asked him, you know, hey, what's it like to be on a team where guys are like your age? And he was like, you know what? It is pretty refreshing to be around younger players who are at a point in their career where they're still trying to prove themselves or they don't have, you know, big families or they're not, you know, just at this stage in their life where things are just different as far as a maturity standpoint. Like, he's a mature young man, but, you know, the, nothing really matures you more than having, you know, children or a family or a wife and things like that. And, and with the Pacers, there aren't, you know, a lot of older guys, you know, in their 30s and things like that where, you know, their priorities might be a little bit different. So he was saying it's younger guys. And I believe, you know, one of the oldest guys on the team is, uh, you know, Malcolm Brogdon. And I believe he's like what, 27, 28. And then you got Miles Turner, who's been there at the longest senior pacer. He's been there for seven seasons and he's only 25. So it's probably good for him to be around players his age where he can develop and grow alongside them rather than, you know, be plugged into a situation where in Phoenix where you're expected to produce because you're trying to win a championship for one of the greatest point guards ever. And um, there's a lot of pressure and expectations that come with that. And, um, again, there's not a lot of maybe bonding outside of that because, you know, Chris Paul is 36, 37 in year 21. Well, there's 22 games left. I believe the, the Pacers broadcast the other night had a stat in which they had played one of the toughest schedules through this point in the season. Um, and they have the easiest schedule uh, the rest of the way. So that'll be another something else to watch. It could be a little bit of a confidence boost. I think you're right that the big question um, the rest of the way is getting some of these guys back from injury and seeing uh, as I mean, what if, you know, what's where's Brogdon at? Where's Turner at? Uh, T.J. Warren's obviously another one. He's even more. Let's see if he can play, uh, I think, than the other two and then how they all fit together. Um, so it'll be an interesting uh, stretch run here for the Pacers.
Yes, yes. I'm excited for it. I mean, I think there's a lot to still be, um, you know, interested in with this season because of how um, crazy it's been. There's I mean, I way think... more to be interested in now than there was a month ago. I was going to say that. I mean, it's pretty crazy. It felt pretty mundane and so, so stagnant. I mean, even from, again, from, from a peripheral standpoint, I'll be interested to see what the Cavaliers do and how Karis LeVert looks through these last few games of the regular season and, and what he could possibly do for them in the playoffs. So, um, it's an exciting time, and, and and I think again, if things go pretty well, I wouldn't be like shocked if Halliburton's in the running to be an All Star next year. I know that's his goal is to get back to Cleveland as quickly as possible. And with his numbers so far through four games and barely any chemistry, um, I think that this is a guy who could be, you know, a walking double double or close to it just because of his ability to score and pass. He's a pass first guard, um, which is. I want to say a little rare these days. A lot of these, a lot of these top point guards in the league are score first point guards, but he's a true pass first point guard. And I believe that, you know, with that passing ability, with his unique ability to score um, at a pretty high rate and pretty efficiently for a guard, um, that bodes well for the future. So I'm excited about it. I don't know if I'm building any statues just yet. I wouldn't compare him to Peyton Manning or Andrew Luck like Kevin Pritchard has done. <laughs> but, um, you know, it's a lot of pressure for a 21-year-old, but the future does look bright with him in it for sure. Yeah, there's a lot of uh, advanced metrics that really like Halliburton. I think he really passes the eye test, obviously. But uh, his shooting efficiency, even though his shot looks weird, uh, whatever, you know, standstill, off the dribble, all those different numbers that they track, um, he rates really high. Another thing I saw that was interesting was they have some kind of sort of, you know, an assist statistic that more directly correlates with making, creating points for players. Um, and he's, he was like seventh or eighth on that. And all the names above him are the ones you'd expect the, the Chris balls of the world. Um, so there is a lot of hope that, um, you know, you look at him and he's a, you know, a 14.7 assist point guard. And you say, yeah, I mean, that's nice. And he's 21, but it, there definitely are some underlying, um, numbers there's some underlying skills from people who really know what they're talking about that uh are that there's there's a reason to be really excited about uh, the the pacers adding tyrese halliburton exactly for sure i mean he told me uh he had to go get some stuff from california you know during the break so obviously he's here to stay now and he's probably got some a little more winter clothes with him and uh It'll be exciting to see him get get back at it and see the rest of the team kind of fit around him. And also, just real quick, I mean, Tristan Thompson, four games, and he's gone. You know, we got had Rick Carlisle breaking some news there, which was pretty hilarious. Um, I believe that, that leaves the Patriots with one open roster spot, which is interesting. I don't know what they're going to do with that, but um, it is interesting to know that they just traded away a guy who helped them win their only game <laughs> to do this do this first you know stretch with Halliburton. So it's very clear they're not trying to win now, if that makes sense. I mean, you get rid of the guy. Obviously, he's happy to go to a situation in Chicago where they're going to go for a championship. But I do think that that also kind of says where the Pacers are. I mean, why keep this guy around? We're not going to win many games. He wants to win. Um, so, yeah, it'll be exciting to see uh, if they do something with that spot and if not, just what all factors into – their decision-making down the stretch. But, again, the biggest thing is health, which is weird because we've been saying that for so long with, with this group of players. And at some point, you either, you know, got to make a move and, and move some of these guys who are not going to be healthy or or figure out what your future looks like because you don't want to, you know, get in a situation where you were just in where you, you're trying to bet on guys who just aren't healthy. All right. Well, uh, thank you for listening. Please go to IndyStar.com for all of our Pacers coverage. James Boyd's our Pacers Insider. This is Nat Newell. Thank you for listening. 